Genesis 21.1 And the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. That's just a, a, a profession of the Lord right there, like in a nutshell. To me, that's just like the goodness of God, a testimony of the Lord. The Lord and the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. In other words, He kept His word. And I say, what a perfect picture of the Lord, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And who is like the Lord? There's nobody like God. I don't know why we would have, ever have to look anywhere else. Once our eyes have been opened and we've seen the Lord and we know He's the Lord and given our life to Christ, why we would fret, but I do it all the time, why our hearts would stray and wander at times and we, the Lord reels us back in, but the Lord says, and you don't have to turn here, but Isaiah 40, 25, To whom will you liken me, or shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One. There's nobody. There's nobody like the Lord. We don't have to look anywhere else. It's like when you find that spouse that, that God has for you, that He has picked, up, picked out and ordained you for her and her for you and brings you together. There's no need to look anywhere else. And when we found the Lord, uh, there's no need to look anywhere else. And I thank God that His... His Word reveals that to us. His Word reveals this mighty, faithful God to us. There's no one like the Lord. I want to read this Scripture. I'm going to, I have a lot of Scriptures I'm going to read. Some will turn to. Most I'm just going to read. Deuteronomy 7, 9, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. This is what God's Word says. The Lord, you need to know the Lord thy God. He is God. Okay? The faithful God who keeps His covenant with them that fear Him, love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. And I think to myself, how many times have I not kept my Word? Maybe many times unintentionally I have not kept my Word. Uh, how many promises through the history of mankind have been broken? How many people have broken promises uh, by, by men, by governments, by leaders in, in marriages, in uh, business relationships, in friendships, but not God? Amen. He keeps His covenant. He is faithful. He keeps His covenant to a thousand generations. That's the Lord. I think that's just a figure of speech. It could be a million generations. The Lord keeps His covenant. The Almighty God, the everlasting God, the God who the Bible says cannot lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. He keeps His covenants. He keeps His Word. This is our truth for this morning that God is, is speaking to us and that we are to lay hold on. I say it all the time. The simple things are the best things. We're talking this morning about the faithfulness of God. Laying hold on that. We're living in troublesome times. We're living in, in perilous times, the Bible says, which means uh, in the last times, Paul said perilous times shall come. And we've talked about that. That means uh, fierce. It means uh, something, there's a there's connotation there that it would sap your strength. That it would eat away your strength. So think about that as a believer. We're living in times that would eat away at our strength if we would let that. If we would let the circumstances, the times, the environment, the, the climate morally, and the, the, the end age in which we're living, it would, it would work to bring us fear. It would work to weaken us. But everything God's doing is to strengthen us and build us up. And He wants us to know that He's faithful. 
that he keeps his word. Everybody doesn't keep their words. Even the best of men don't keep their word all the time. Maybe there are things out of their control. They wanted to keep their word and they couldn't. But God always does. There's nothing out of His control. There's nothing that He can't uh, accomplish or, or fulfill. He does what He says He will do. God, Our God does what He says He will do. Not some of the times, but all the times. Always. Not, uh, not some of the things He's promised. Not most of the time but all of the time and for all time. He, is, he does what He says He will do. Listen to this verse. I know that you know it. If you're taking notes, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall My Word be that goeth forth out of My mouth. Nobody else could say this but the Lord. So shall My Word be that goeth forth out of My mouth. It shall not return unto Me void or empty. It shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing where, where to I sent it. God's Word is... I know you've heard that before. Isaiah 55.11, a wonderful Scripture that God's Word is not like any other Word because He's not like any other. Or God's not like any other. He's not a man that He should lie. He's not a man that He has to repent. He's not a God who doesn't know the future. He's not a God who would like to but is unable. He's not a good that's crooked or unjust or anything like this. He's God. And He's faithful. And He says His Word that goes forth out of His mouth, guess what? It's going to accomplish what He said it will every single time. You pick up your Bible and you read it and you say, where am I in this thing? Well, we're in the last days. We're getting there towards the end before the rapture of the church, right? Find yourself on a timeline. That's where we are as the church today. But the things that are yet unfulfilled are going to be fulfilled. Why? Because He said they will. They're going to be fulfilled like He says they're going to be fulfilled. The rapture of the church is going to take place. It's going to take place before the tribulation period starts. And we won't have to go through that. We will be with the Lord. I'm not saying we won't face tribulations and, and persecutions in our time. We won't go through the tribulation period. It's all going to be fulfilled like He said. To the T, every jot, every tittle, it's going to be fulfilled. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now the promise that we just read, we started with the promise, uh, really a fulfillment of a promise in Genesis 21.1. Again, this is our theme for this morning. But the promise was given to Abraham and to his wife Sarah, but primarily to Abraham some 25 years before. Now we know the story. And I said, Alberto talked about some of this. I'm just going to read some of these Scriptures because they're worth noting. We're talking about what goes forth out of God's mouth. What He's purposed and planned. And so just uh, follow along if you want to. Here's where the covenant was made with, with uh, Abram in Genesis 12. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And that, that's not the whole thing, but this is where it was given. In Genesis 12, 2. I'm skipping to Genesis 15, 3 through 6 now. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. So this is some time later. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. God's word came to him. Saying, this shall not be thine heir. It's not going to be a, a servant that you love that was born in your house. The, the heir that you're going to have is going to be the son that I'm going to give you. The son of the promise. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. 
And he brought it forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. It's Genesis 17, 1 and 2. And when Abraham was 99, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And skip on down to verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with this seed after him. Change her name, okay? From Sarai, which means princely, to Sarah, which means uh, the mother of princes. Okay, the mother of princes. And so this, this was the covenant where it was given. The covenant was given some 25 years before what we just read in Genesis 21.1 that we opened with. And so we come to the fulfillment some 25 years later. So I'm reading back in Genesis 21. Let's skip down to verses 2 and 3. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Verse 5, And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. It's an amazing story. It would be amazing if it was make-believe, if it was fictional. It's even more amazing that it's true. It's true with God that the Lord did this. The Lord fulfilled the promise that He made some 25 years before. He fulfilled it 25 years later. And the Lord visited Sarah. And the Lord did as He had, as he had said and, and as, as He had spoken. Amen? The Lord visited Sarah as He had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. And God, y'all, is faithful. That word visited doesn't just mean that He stopped by for a visit. It says the Lord visited Sarah. And, and when the Lord visits, it means to remember. You remember the promise that He made. It means to keep. He kept the promise that He made to deliver. He, he came and He brought forth the fruition. He brought, brought forth the fulfillment of what He had spoken. Amen? God always does what He said. God didn't just show up one day at some arbitrary time and do some nice thing for Sarah. He did... He does those kind of things as well. But the Lord didn't do some nice thing. He did what He said He would do. He did what He promised that He would do. He did as He said. That's very important that we see that. He's faithful to keep His Word. God's not faithful to keep my Word. His name it and claim it and prosperity and all that where I just presume upon God and name it and claim it. Well, you got to do it because you're Jesus and... You said you answer whatever prayer we pray and you have to do it. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. And so the Bible says he abides faithful. That is a wonderful scripture in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Abideth faithful. That means he stays there. He lives there. He lives as a faithful God. 
Uh, and if everybody believes him, he's faithful. If nobody believes him, he's faithful. This is who he is by his very nature. Listen, God is not obligated to, to keep my word. He's not obligated to do anything I say. Even though I'm a Christian or you're a Christian, we should not presume upon the Lord. We should never expect the Lord to do something, anything, everything, simply because it's what I want. That's not the God that we serve. That wouldn't be a God. We would be God in that circumstance, commanding Him, our little genie in the bottle, to give us our wishes. He's not that genie in the bottle. He's God Almighty, and He's sovereign over all. He, he, we should not presume upon the Lord to just conceive something apart from God in our own minds, in our own hearts, uh, and then fully expect God to do it. That's not faith. And you muster it up and you get all excited and worked up about it and you're wanting that Escalade out there and you're naming and claiming it. And God, Your Word says if we ask anything in Your name, you know, you will do it and, and so forth. In His name has to do with His will. In His name has to do with His authority. He's not just uh, bound to keep any word that, that you and I claim. It's important that we know that. And uh, there's a Scripture here. I'm going to read it. We know that when... When uh, Paul was on that ship going to Rome, right? He was appealed to Caesar and he was making his way to Rome. And he knew God showed him that the ship should not have been sailing at that time because of the weather. The Lord showed him the ship was going to meet trouble. And it says for many days they didn't see the sun, the stars, the moon. It was this horrible storm. They're throwing the cargo overboard. Uh, and they all think they're going to die. But he had been seeking the Lord and praying. And I want to read this. Wherefore, sirs. So he hears from God and he stands up and speaks. The storm's still going on. They're all scared to death. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe it's going to be even like the Lord spoke to me. I don't believe it's going to be just like I wanted it. I believe. Be of good cheer. Because God's going to keep His Word. It's going to be even like the Lord told me. Nobody's going to lose their life. I think there was 270 on the ship. All 270. The ship was smashed to pieces. They lost all the cargo. But not one died. They all made it to the, safely to the island. They were taken care of. And the Gospel spread on that island through Paul. The point is that we believe God what He says. We lay hold on that. We don't just presume upon God and do any, claim anything we want and say God has to do it. God makes no promise to do for me simply because I want it. The disciples were talking to uh, Jesus one day and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And we know the Lord's Prayer. He gives them th that as a model. Not just it has to be recited, but as a model prayer. And part of that prayer in the Lord's Prayer is Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. So that's a pattern of prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is how we pray. This is what we believe in and lay hold on. I know that you've heard this before, and I've shared it before, maybe others, about George Mueller, wonderful man of God in London that had the orphanages and, and uh, trusted God for the provision for all the needs that were increasing day by day, feeding, I forget how many thousands of children, uh, he never asked for money. He never begged for money. He didn't have a, a garage sale, you know, to, to raise money or sell pies or anything like that. He, 
He trusted God. This is what God led him to do. Okay? And he would go to the Lord, but he said he always started prayer. Not with his prayer list or prayer request. He endeavored first. And I'm trying to paraphrase the best I can. He said, I would endeavor first to come to a place in prayer where I had no will of my own. I'm not there yet. Amen? But isn't that where we need to start? I'm going before Almighty God. I'm not Almighty. He is. I'm coming into His presence. Let me find out what He wants. Right? Let me find out what His heart is. Let me find out what His desires are. And, and so, he, he, he came to a place first in prayer. And maybe that was the longest part of His prayer time. I don't know. To get to a place where all the little... Uh, the little things that pop up in your mind, the prayer requests and the little fires you've got to stamp out and you need God's help to stamp out the fires for the day and for the week. And all those pop up and we want to bring those to God. Nothing wrong with bringing those to God. But I can tell you something better. Start at a place where we have no will of our own. Find out what Almighty God wants and then come in agreement with that. Amen? When we come in agreement with His will and we begin to desire and ask and pray according to His will, we can perfectly and we should perfectly expect God to perfectly fulfill that thing. Whatever it is. When we have come to a place where we know what His will is, we're in agreement with it, and we're praying according to that, you can hang, hang your hat on it. You can build your house upon it. You can settle right there. We, we can expect Him to answer Fully, we can expect Him to do, to move, to help, to deliver. We can expect Him to visit us like He did Sarah. To remember, to keep, to deliver. When we've come to that place. We know the Scripture, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to what? His will. Not if I ask anything according to my will or my church's will, or something like that. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. It's wonderful. When you come to a place where you know His will, and it's almost like you've got it. You come to a place where you know it, and you're praying it, and the confidence is right there that I know it's His will, so I know He's going to do it. Haven't received it yet, but it's as good as being received, right? Because faithful is He who's promised, right? Who calls, and He's going to do it. He's always going to do what He says He's going to do. So I just want to encourage you and me this morning in a couple of things that as believers, as blood-bought saints of God, okay, purchased by the blood of Jesus, we need to come make it a matter of priority, like set it at the top of our, our list to know the heart of God. In other words, to know the will of God. Not just to know our Scriptures. We need to know the Scriptures. Not just to, to stay true to God and, and not be you know, in the world and, and things like that. We need to know the heart of God. We need to know what His will is for my life, for my church, for the hour, for this day. We need to know what His will is on the earth and in this day and in my circumstance. I need to know His heart and what His will is. And then I need to be aligned with it. Because sometimes there can be a problem there. 
Right? We know what His will is, but we might not like it. And we need to be brought to a place where we are in agreement with and aligned with it. Not my own will, but we need to pray to hear His voice. To know His will, His plans, what He's doing. And, and to follow Him and to walk with Him and come in alignment and be in agreement with Him. I think about Saul of Tarsus before he was Paul. On that Damascus road, on his way to persecute Christians, and with full authority to do so, where there was a greater authority that knocked him off his horse that day, blinded him, spoke to him, and, and uh, shone brighter than the, the sun at noonday. And he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul says, Who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And then Saul's response was, Lord, what will you have me to do? So his plans were over, right? Saul's plans ended that day. They were over. No more persecuting Christians. No more any of the things that he had set out to do that he was so zealous after the religion of his fathers, thinking he was serving God, but he was not, didn't even know God. His, his plans were over that day. And he asked the right question. First, who are you? I'm Jesus, all right? Second of all, what will you have me to do? You get up and go on into Damascus. And he was blinded, remember? And it will be told you what you shall do. And, and that was it from there, then on out. We have to know what God's will is and fall in line with that. We don't just claim anything we want, say, I'm a Christian, he's God, he has to do it for me. So we need to find out what his will is, know his heart. And then we need to, to yield to that. And I can tell you sometimes that's a hard thing, isn't it? We have this nature still of Adam. We're saved, but we still have self that needs to be brought to the cross. It's a process, a lifelong process of dying to ourselves, even though we're fully saved by the blood. And, and even if it's difficult, even if yielding to God's will, even if the thing He's called us to do is extremely difficult, or it's not at all what we would have chosen, we still need to come in line with that. God will help us to do that, by the way. We could not do that if God didn't help us to. And so we're praying to know God's will. Let's say you're praying, all of a sudden God shows you His will for this circumstance or that, and you say, God, that's sure not what I wanted. That's, I'm praying to know Your will because I know I'm supposed to, but that's not what the answer I was hoping to hear. That is the case, right? Sometimes. And, and then we have to say, but nevertheless, you know, I'm, I'm going to yield to your Lordship. I'm going to yield to your working. I'll, I'll share a quick testimony, a, a true story. Some of you may have heard of Josh McDowell, a Christian speaker and author, and has written some, some good apologetics books that I, that I have read. And he, he shares a testimony uh, that he was, he was saved after he'd gotten saved and was dating a young lady that was Christian and they were engaged and, and had full plans to marry. They had made the wedding plans, everything. He's a believer, she's a believer. They loved each other. Well, right before their wedding, he had to take a trip and so he, uh, he was off on the plane and you know, as he's returning home, she's going to be there to greet him. And all the way back on the, on the plane, the Lord spoke to him and says, you're not going to marry her. She's not the one for you. <laughs> They've already engaged. They're both he's arguing with God. Lord, are you kidding me? She's a Christian. I'm a Christian. We love each other. We've already made the plans. What do you mean she's not the one? She's not the one that I have for you to marry. 
And he says, okay, Lord. Now that's the yielding part. Then you're asking for strength, right? Because you got to walk this thing out. So he says, okay, Lord, uh, I yield to what you're telling me. But you are going to have to help me. And you're going to have to make it known to her. You're going to have to communicate what you communicated to me to her. So he gets off the plane. She's waiting there for him. He walks up to her. She says, Josh, the Lord show me you're not the one for me to marry. And I don't know the whole rest of the story, but they obeyed the Lord. He ended up marrying who he was supposed to in the Lord, and she did the same. Sometimes it can be difficult, but it's always best, always, to, to yield to the Lord. Find out what His will is, even if it's difficult and hard, and yield to that, and then ask Him to give you the strength to do it. He will. Amen? He will help us and, and submit to that. There's no better example than our Lord. The night that He was betrayed and arrested in the garden, He went a little farther, it says in Matthew 26, and fell on His face and prayed, saying, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. But I always say it, there's not a period there. There's a, sim, there's a colon there. Let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. It's knowing the will of God. And what happens with the Lord? We know there's, there's mysteries to all that. I don't understand it all perfectly. God in the flesh and everything perfectly. But I do know what, what we do know by the Spirit and by the Word of God. Hebrews 5 says, Speaking of Jesus, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying, crying and tears, unto Him that was able to save Him from death, and was heard in that He feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so we know that's Jesus. He said, well, that's God. He's, he's the Lord. Amen. He is God and the Lord. And I don't compare myself to him. But we do see his prayer where he's saying, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And to yield to that, 100% of the time will be best 100% of the time. We can trust God and know that, that He is, he is faithful. And I need to, even if it's difficult, line up with God. It's a, a huge part of the school of Christ. In other words, it's a huge part of your discipleship and my discipleship, learning from the Lord. To know His will and to yield to that. Learn to do it. He's saying to us this morning, learn it to know to know my will, seek me till you know it, and then learn to submit to it. I'll help you. I'll help you. And He does help us. And then we say, thank you, Lord, because this is not at all what I wanted to do, but I know it's Your will. Thank You for giving me the grace. Thank You for giving me the strength. Thank You for giving me the faith to trust You and to obey You, even though it's not what I was desiring or looking forward to. He's always helping us. Amen? He's always helping us. And we need to submit joyfully. And we need to submit uh, you know, cheerfully by faith to the Lord. He'll help us. He'll strengthen us. Praise God. And so uh, sometimes it may take a while to know His will. Some things are very obvious that this is the will of God. We know it before we ever pray. Some things we don't know. And so we have to seek the Lord. Maybe we have to pray and fast until we've heard from the Lord. And we know we've heard from the Lord. But once we know 
that we are in the will of God, we've heard from God, and we know it, and we're praying according to that, then we need to believe. We need to hang on and believe that it's going to be fulfilled. And even if it looks impossible, even if it looks improbable, and it could never happen, if we know we've heard from the Lord, no matter how impossible it may appear to us, we need to trust, we need to trust God and we need to trust Him unwaveringly and fully and completely. Believe God. Amen? Believe God to answer. Believe God to fulfill His promises. Believe God to keep His Word. Has God ever broken a promise? He does not. He has not. He cannot. He will not. And He wants us to know that and to believe and to hang on. And you know what, y'all? We need, to, we need to live like we believe that. We need to live like our God is faithful. When things are the worst they can be in my circumstances, in my situation, in my health, and this is the worst I've ever seen our world, our country, when things are the worst of the worst of the worst, we need to still live like He's the best of the best of the best. We need to live like not only say, I believe you, God, I trust you, God. We need to get up and wash our face and, you know what I mean, wash our hands or whatever and, 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 and live like we believe that He's a faithful God. When we know we've heard from Him and we know that we've been brought under that Lordship and lined up with God, I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing in His will. It looks crazy. It looks impossible. It looks crazy to me. But I know that I've heard from God. His Word has spoken it, or in prayer He's made it sure to my heart. I know that I'm His will. I'm praying according to His will. I believe Him to fulfill it. And you and I need to hang on like a bulldog, okay? To, to the Lord and to His promises. Believe Him to answer. Amen? Believe. Uh, if we don't, we're just no different than the world. We're no, we can say we're Christians all day, and we might be Christians, but... We don't, if we don't live like we believe God, there's not much difference in us in our lifestyle than an unbeliever that doesn't know God. But we do know God. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. We started with Sarah. We're going to get back to Abraham and Sarah as we move forward. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded of what? Then name it and claim it? No, being fully persuaded that what He, the Lord, had promised, 
He, the Lord, was able to perform. That's what he was persuaded of. He was fully persuaded of it. He was convinced of it in his heart of hearts. You couldn't have told him. There came a point when his faith was sure. Okay? Where you could not have told Abraham differently. He wouldn't have believed you because God had promised. And where it says he staggered not at the promises of unbelief. In the Greek, that word staggered is talking about like... um, Almost a picture of like two two uh, of these wrestlers in the Roman days, the Olympic Games, and maybe one hits the other one really hard, and they're, and they're stunned and they're staggering and falling back. It says he staggered not at the promise of God. He held on to it. He believed. He wasn't stunned. He didn't fall out. He didn't faint. He didn't pass over. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was fully fully persuaded that that what he had promised, he would do. What God had promised He would do. And so you and I need to, to lay hold on, on the promises of God. And we need to, to, to trust. We need to hang on to the Lord and the One who promised. And I always think about this with Job because it amazes me with all that Job went through that he says in Job thirteen fifteen, Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. But I will maintain my own ways before Him. And so, y'all, the promises of God are the promises of God. And the one who promised is the one who promised. He's faithful. And that, this is just a simple message this morning, but I believe it's very needed in our day, especially in what we're going through morally and in the dark times and the end times in which we're living. And I'll say a few don'ts this morning. Don't give in to your feelings. Hear from God and hang on to what God has said. Don't give in to your feelings. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. The enemy is a liar and the father of lies. And he can tell half-truths that are still lies. And he can come to you and say, you know, uh, Katie, that that thing God uh, promised you, you thought for sure you heard from the Lord, it's it's not going to happen. That was just you thinking that. He's a liar. He's a liar. When God has spoken to your heart through His Word, all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And so if He's spoken to us through His Word or in our heart of hearts and we've sought the Lord and we know we've heard from God and it's not in disagreement with His Word, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't live by your natural sight. It's easy to do. You look around. Again, this is me personally. I I used to read the paper. Then I got to the point where I just skimmed over the paper. Now I pick the paper up in the street and I put it in the trash can. I don't open it because I could have written it. I know what it's going to say today. And and I I can't live by that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong if you read the paper or I read the paper or watch the news. This point in my life right now, I'm watching very little of it. I'm putting it aside. I know what's going on. In my heart, I know what's going on. In the Word of God, I know where we are. I see it. And it won't get better till it gets better. You know what I'm saying? It won't get better till Jesus Christ shows up to fix things. And, and so I can't live by my natural sight, and neither can you. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Look unto Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says that Moses endured rather than looking at all the riches and the wealth and coveting that of, of Egypt. He chose to suffer 
poverty and affliction with the people of God because the Bible says he endured by faith to seeing him who's invisible. And he had respect for that reward. That I'm going to get rewarded by God one day for by living for God. And that's way better. Okay? Way better. Don't live, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't look away from his word and start going to extra a whole bunch of extra biblical things. Keep your eyes on the truth and the word of God. Stay grounded in his word. Don't forget his absolute faithfulness. Don't forget it. We have to be reminded. So this morning, if God wants to use this in your life and my life to remind us of the absolute faithfulness of God and his faithfulness to you, you personally, God's faithfulness. We need to lay hold on that. And I'll say last thing that don't do. Don't give in to hopelessness. We are not as those that have no hope. Amen. We have great hope. We have great hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read a couple of scriptures real quickly. David says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. Our hope is in the Lord. I know we know these things. In Lamentations, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 15, 13. Well, here it is. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is by the Lord's Spirit working in us that He gives us that hope. I wouldn't even hope if God didn't help me to hope. You understand what I'm saying? I could, it's, not a, it's not a pep rally where you pump yourself up. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, I could read the Bible and not have my faith encouraged or my hope encouraged. God strengthened my faith. Help me. Help me to hope. Help me to believe. Okay, so I want to just touch a few things before we close this morning. Abraham, at one point, we, talk, we talked about the fact that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's through the Scriptures. But there was a time, at least one point that's very notable, when the Bible says that Abraham laughed in his heart at the thought of having a child at his age even though God had promised. There was a point in Sarah's life where Sarah laughed at the thought of having a child at her age, even though God had promised. I want to read a couple of scriptures here, just for time's sake. I'm going to read it. Genesis 17, in verse 16 and 17, it says, The Lord says, And I will bless her, Sarah, and give thee a son also of her, Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart. You wouldn't dare say it out loud to God, but the Lord sees our hearts. Amen. Abraham, the father of faith. At this point, anyway, he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with, with his seed after him. And so we read Sarah, when those three heavenly visitors, some think it was God incarnate, you know, in a pre, pre-Christ incarnation type of appearance, but the three angelic visitors come 
to Abraham one day in the heat of the day and are speaking to him. They're about to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy it. And he's telling, he's renewing the covenant still with Abraham. And Sarah's back in the tent. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. He makes the promise, and, and, and she says, oh, I didn't laugh. He goes, yeah, you did laugh. <laughs> you did laugh. I'm thinking, why would we laugh when God makes us a promise? Has He ever been unfaithful? Has there ever been a time when God was unfaithful in your life? And yet I think many times, oh, that'll never happen. <laughs> yes, it will happen. It's going to happen just like God said it would happen. Abraham laughed in his heart at one point. Sarah laughed in her heart at one point at the promise of God. They doubted the Lord. They doubted the fulfillment of the promise. They couldn't conceive how it could be. They couldn't conceive how almost 25 years has passed since He was promised. We were, Sarah was barren before this old thing started. And now it's 25 years later and now I'm going to have a child. They doubted. They couldn't conceive in their hearts and minds how God could do it they, they made a horrible mistake and sinned. And, and Sarah says, Here, take, take Hagar, my, my handmaid, and have a, have a son through her. Maybe that's God's plan. You don't start with maybes with God. It wasn't God's plan. You hear from God and you hang on to it. Don't start trying to help Him out. Okay, If He tells you to do something, do it. Otherwise, you sit tight and you hold tight and you hang on to the promise of God. And so, they doubted they, they, they laughed at some point. But when the dust settled, it's the best way I can say it, when the dust settled, when the time appointed came, Sarah had a son. And I don't believe Abraham's life, I know it wasn't because the Scriptures tell us that it wasn't, his life with God was not characterized by unbelief. I think he laughed in his heart. I'm sure he repented of that. Because he received the promise. The Bible says by faith Abraham received this promise. That he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Even the best of us at times can doubt. But we need not doubt. And we shouldn't doubt. The Bible says of Sarah. I just want to, uh, to read this from, uh, from Hebrews 11. Through faith also Sarah herself. Well, she just laughed. We just read it. She didn't die in unbelief. She didn't live her whole life in unbelief. She doubted. I'm sure she repented of that. Through faith, Sarah also herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and Him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the promise He made to Abraham? Does that sound like the covenant that He made? Did He fulfill it? Did He not fulfill His promise? He is a faithful God. It's not that men are faithful. It's not that the best of men, and I would put Abraham with the best of men in a category with others that knew God, loved God, and walked with God. No doubt about it. 
But it's not that men are faithful, it's that God's faithful. Faithful is He which calleth thee, who also will do it. Our, our eyes are, are to be fixed not only on the promise that God made, but on the promiser who made the promise. And hang in there, like I said, like a bulldog. And I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. When, when it was all said and done, Sarah had the son. They named him Isaac. He became the father of nations, the son of the promise. The, 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 it wasn't Ishmael that came through Hagar. God took care of him as well, but he wasn't the promised son. When it was all said and done, God did exactly what he said. Through your own body, Sarah, and through your own body, Abraham, you're going to have a son. Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And they had the child. And nations came forth. The, the Isaac, who would be uh, a type of Christ himself when Abraham offered him up and then God spared his life and, and offered a ram instead. When uh, Isaac, who would be the, the have two sons, Esau and Jacob, and Jacob would have the twelve sons, the patriarchs, the tribes of Israel. Isaac, through who eventually in his earthly life, Jesus would be born in this fleshly you know, incarnation. The promise came. The promised child came, and it came when God said, it came exactly how He said. And, and the, if the Lord just teaches that simple truth to, to hang on, get with God, and I'm closing this morning, get with God in prayer. Get with God in His Word. And get, come to a place where we know we've heard from God. I think last week I preached on we got to see God. We can't just come to church, see the pulpits, hear the music, hear the sermon. We got, have to come to a place where we see God. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the, also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. We need to see Him. We need to see Him by faith. We might not see Him like that, but we do see Him by faith. We need to know we've seen Him. We need to hear Him and we need to know we've heard Him. And everything else, there's too many other clamoring voices that clamor for our attention and for our loyalty. And we need to subdue those and put them down, hear from God, Know you've heard from God, and as impossible as it seems, hang on like a bulldog. I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go. You understand what I'm saying? Like Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. I'm, I'm hanging on to the promise of God and to the, the, the God of the promise. I'm hanging on. And that's how we're going to go out of this, this life. We're going to be raptured by faith. We're going to be taken out of this thing by faith. But between now and then, we need to walk with God. We need to hear Him. We, know, we need to know that we've heard Him. Amen? And we need to hang on to the Lord and to His promises. I want to read a couple of Scriptures in closing. Dee, you can come on up. I pray God would strengthen your faith in Him. Strengthen my faith in Him. Two Scriptures. Lamentations 3.24. Now, Lamentations, if you know what's going on, it's lamentable. He's crying. The weeping prophet Jeremiah, his, his nation's been taken captive. He's been taken captive. Nobody, even the people that should fear God and, and respect Him and listen to Him, nobody's respecting Him or listening to Him. He's being thrown in the mud pit twice. And he says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Nothing to his carnal sight, 
said hope, blessing, something good, power of God, move of God, the grace of God. Nothing in his natural sight told him that. But he said, the Lord is my portion. That's my inheritance. It's nothing in this life. Saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. And y'all, the altar's open. I'm gonna, I want to... You come or you make an altar if you're not ready to get uh, too close to people. Make an altar in your chair. But I want to encourage you, please, before we run out, we're going to all have a happy Father's Day and do those things. Lay hold on what God is saying to us in this very simple truth. We all know about Abraham and Isaac. Y'all all could have preached this same sermon this morning. And Sarah, we know about these things. Trusting God. And yet, it's what He has for us today. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to know His will and then trust Him to fulfill His will. And the altar's open. You come meet with God. Ask God to forgive. Maybe you've laughed in your heart like Abraham and Sarah, like I've done before. And you say, God, forgive me for doubting You. Help me to trust You. Help me to trust You more than I ever have before. I'm going to trust you for the things that to me seem absolutely most impossible. I'm going to trust you for our nation to turn us around. I'm going to trust you for my child, whatever it may be. Help me to trust you. The Bible says, this is Habakkuk the prophet. I always love this scripture. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon my high places. What is He saying? He's laying hold not on what He sees, and what He saw was a lot of desolation and ruin. What He's laying hold on is God the goodness of God and by faith in his heart this prophet of God is laying hold on the Lord and the goodness of God and the future and the plans that he has for his people father we praise you this morning